And the talk just keeps on coming. You can do anything. You can say anything you want to say. TalkZone.com. It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. (gasps) Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, it has the Sherlock's home with a diagnostician scratching their heads. William Byrd High School in Roanoke County, Virginia. Students and staff have shown strange twitching and spasm symptoms since September, but nobody knows the cause. All of us understand the power of our plate, that what we eat and don't eat has a powerful role to play in our health. What genes manifest themselves, uh, our longevity, our quality of life. Joining us today to uh, talk about uh, a very important topic, and that is genetically modified foods, is the founding member of uh, the Genetic Engineering Action Network in Hawaii. She herself, a certified organic farmer, will talk about what GMO foods mean to that closed uh, environment of the islands of Hawaii with far-reaching ramifications for each and every one of us with Melanie Bondera joining us today right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Well, it's a fight that has our nation's largest chicken producer squabbling. Big corn, big uh, sugar um, are all in the fray uh, that is now including lawmakers. Dueling petitions, dueling lawsuits, government food regulations, uncertain how to proceed. It all goes to a very simple question. What can rightfully be called naturally? You know, is it ethical to charge for salt water that increases the weight of supermarket chicken? If you use sodium lactate as a flavoring and preservative in sliced roast beef, is that truly natural? What about the high fructose corn syrup that sweetens sodas? Is that natural? The executive director of the Science Center for Science and the Public Interest, Dr. Michael Jacobson, um, is taking this matter very seriously. They have threatened to sue soft drink companies like 7-Up uh, and Sweppies for promoting their drinks as 100% natural when they contain high fructose corn syrup. The Center for Science and the Public Interest has complained that chicken producers are pumping up and weighing down their, quote, all-natural birds with additional broth. And members of Congress have already said this is misleading and deceptives. So, <laughs> it goes back to when you and I go to the grocery store. Do we know what we're buying? Unless we buy certified organic, it seems to be a landmine out there. And even past that, you see these natural labels and think somehow you're making a wiser choice when you, you may not be doing so at all. So, whether it's the Sugar Association, the Corn Refiners Association, uh, the the, the poultry producers in this country, there's a lot of vested interests 
that are are skewing and fueling this battle over quote natural unquote food designation. Well, we've talked about medical errors in the past. We've had the great uh, privilege of having Dr. Lucien Leap from Harvard, who pioneered an overview, a review of uh, medicine in this country about medical errors, which was eye-opening to many. Well, many years after that, Institute of Medicine's uh, uh, the failure uh, uh, to, to you know to err as human study came the revelation we haven't done a whole lot to really address medical errors. So now comes even more sobering information because Pennsylvania, uh, a state which is collecting some of the most comprehensive statistics about medical care, has documented that for every 87,000 surgeries in the state of Pennsylvania, there is at least one operating room fire and that nationally there may be hundreds of such uh, uh, fires, not the 50 that's previously been estimated by patient safety organizations. It's um, the fact that you can take an alcohol-based cleaning solution uh, that you clean the patient's skin with prior to surgery, then you start to use a cautery instrument, and you actually have like a flambe that we have uh, taken a look at wrong site surgeries, saying why they're rare, <laughs> they're, they're still, still out there, only to recognize that surgical fires are a bigger risk than thought. The use of these alcohol-based cleaning solutions when you're using uh, instruments that generate heat and electricity and you have gases like oxygen adding to that danger, hundreds of fires in operating rooms every year around the country, this country. Well, it's experts tying the single biggest cause of sudden death among young athletes. We all heard the sobering news with that New York marathon, and a young man, apparently very physically fit, just suddenly dying. They say that too often heart problems that can cause an irregular heartbeat and sudden death are missed, that enlarged heart is the biggest cause of sudden death among young athletes. But why we really don't know, you know what's going on with an enlarged heart, it doesn't preclude someone from participating in sports. But what, what it means is that enlarged heart are certainly a risk factor, and medicine really uh, doesn't have a handle on sudden death, which happens all too frequently for people who succumb to heart disease, you know, where the first symptom of heart disease is sudden death. And we know that there are uh, agents, there have been published studies to indicate that the use of the omega-3 fish oils reduce the risk of sudden death by about 50%. Yet there's no widespread uh, embracing where we, we embrace aspirin that reduces the risk of a heart attack by 23%. You know, here, fish oil cuts the risk of sudden cardiac arrest by 50%. And we don't embrace that. Irregular heartbeat, sudden death, often missed. Experts tying enlarged heart to sudden death in athletes.
Well, it's Wayne State University researchers indicating that those very popular, very caffeine-laden energy drinks boost blood pressure, boost heart rate, could pose risk to those already at high risk of high blood pressure and heart disease. They found that drinking two cans of a popular energy drink increased blood pressure and heart rate in 15 healthy individuals average age 26. That Within a few hours of consuming these energy drinks, the volunteers' systolic blood pressure, the upper number, increased by as much as 10%, the diastolic, the lower number, by as much as 8%, the heart rate was increased as well. So you have a vulnerable individual, not a good thing. All this expected to be presented at the American Heart Association's annual meeting, the scientific sessions being held in Orlando. What's well, a decidedly different medical model, an influential medical standards group, the National Committee for Quality Assurance, plans to present a new model today to help employers and insurers identify the best primary care doctors and steer patients those way. And they're also proposing that doctors would be paid more for services that are typically reimbursed on a current basis because they want to pay for quality. The idea is to encourage doctors to meet with patients for more than a few minutes Yeah, you can't get around that. You can't get around the fact that consumers in this country pay more out-of-pocket to visit uh, integrative alternative doctors because they spend time with patients versus the conventional doctors that are in and out of there in mere minutes. So the National Committee for Quality Assurance wants to encourage doctors to meet with patients for more than a few minutes um, to compensate doctors for spending more time uh, for, for, with uh, patients, to encourage doctors to communicate with patients by phone, oh yes, available by phone and email, outside office hours. So there's a lot of big uh, companies who are watching this very closely, a model for healthcare that pays for quality. Well, it's a very important issue these days. Uh, our food, labeling of our food, genetically engineered food. And we are delighted and honored to have a special guest join us today who is certainly making a difference. She herself, a, uh, she and her husband have a certified organic farm in Hawaii. She's the founding member of the Hawaii Genetically Engineered Action Network. Melanie Bondero joining us today right here on Healthy Talk Radio. The most affordable health insurance on earth. Healthy Talk Radio. Here to talk with us about a very important topic because one of our uh, most often um, 
discussions here is about the lifestyle choices that we make each and every day that make a difference in our health, both from a preventive and a therapeutic fashion. And we are finding increasingly that making those choices about uh, the foods that we eat is increasingly problematic. We were talking earlier about that uh, campaign now, uh, thanks to lawsuits being filed, uh, filed by Center for Science and the Public Interest. You know, something says it's natural. I mean, if it has high fructose corn syrup, is it natural? Well, joining us today to talk about a very important topic because we have, have attempted to educate you in, uh, with many authors, uh, many experts about genetically engineered food is somebody who is not only making a difference on a personal uh, basis. She and her uh, husband farm a certified organic farm in Hawaii. Um, she's also the founding, uh, a founding member and all the board of directors of the Hawaii Genetically Engineered Action Network. It's a great honor to have Melanie Bondera join us today. Melanie, hello and welcome. Aloha and thank you so much for having me. Oh, I know it's early for you. We appreciate your time. Thank you. So, so tell us your story. I mean, is this something that has long been a passion for you? How did you all uh, come to uh, have a, a certified organic farm in Hawaii, Melanie? Uh, for my husband and I, it was always a dream to have a small farm, and we were both lucky enough to work overseas with other farmers in different developing countries. And we came to a point where we had small children and we were ready to find a farm and we actually bought a farm in Hawaii based on the fact that one of my long childhood friends lives here as well. And about a year into really getting our farm going, I realized that there were GMO papaya uh, pollen and seeds blowing into my farm. And for me, that was a huge uh, economic threat, and it was an ethical threat too. Here was our organic farm, and if you're growing organically, you cannot grow GMO. Right. And these seeds and pollen were blowing in. So, you know, to, to take that to the next step, to become a founding member of the Hawaii Genetically Engineering Action Network, I mean, here are you and, and your husband, certified organic farmers, that so you are parents as well. You obviously felt very strongly about this to, to take on yeah. yet another hat, Melanie. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, there wasn't room in our lives really to do this, but it felt like an imperative. I mean, we do feed our kids pretty much 90% organic, and the thought that I couldn't feed the food I was growing on my farm to my own children really was a problem. I think we had attended a meeting where the university outlined their plans for the next couple decades to genetically modify every crop in Hawaii, and at that point, myself and three other organic farming women uh, got together and formed Hawaii Gene, and that was in 2002. And then the following year, we went on to connect to people. We're on the on Hawaii Island, the big right. island of Hawaii, uh-huh. and we went on the following year to connect with folks, not all farmers, um, often doctors, lawyers, parents, concerned citizens, people who think about what they eat. 
across the state, and we formed um, GMO Free Hawaii, which became known as Hawaii Seed, and that's our state organization. Great, great. Now, for people who don't know, and uh, we, we've talked about, you know, the prevalence of genetically modified corn and soy and cotton, we may not know the story of genetically modified uh, papaya in Hawaii. Melanie, it sounds uh, uh, like it's it's significant and it's already impacting you as a certified organic farmer. Absolutely. I mean, at this point, it's probably the only genetically modified whole food on the market in the United States. Wow. We did have GMO tomatoes and potatoes at one point, but those are by and large gone from the marketplace. Um, in Hawaii, this is one of the very first technologies uh, of GMO fruits and vegetables. It was transformed in the lab in 1989, a very long time ago in the genetic engineering world, um, and it was field tested um in 1997 in Hawaii mm-hmm. and released in 1998. Um, and so it's been grown commercially in Hawaii for 10 years. But what we found here was in the first year or two of the testing going on, of people sharing seeds, and the beginning of pollen growing and blowing around, is that contamination was already happening. Sure. Because in the agricultural world, it's not labeled. The seed looks exactly like any other papaya Uh, seed. uh. When you grow the tree out, the tree looks like any other tree. Even the fruit looks like uh, it's supposed to look like our most popular papaya, which is a rainbow papaya. Uh, The rainbow is the GMO. It looks like a capojo solo. And that's the one that we grow uh, for market of all the different varieties. Um, So even at the field testing time, seed was getting mixed up, fruit was getting mixed up. And by the time it was commercially released and they started to sell it, it was available in our farmer's markets and stores unlabeled, and people didn't know they were eating it. They didn't know they were buying it. And the thing with the papaya is when you cut it open, There can be up to 500 seeds inside, and usually you scoop them out and throw them away. Sure. Now, what that means in Hawaii is you're putting them in your compost pile, or you're throwing them out the window, or they're ending up in the dump, or they're in a ditch, and they plant, and they grow. I can find at any given time in my compost pile many, many papaya seedlings that are not intentionally planted trees. So the the contamination is rampant here, and unlike, say, soy or corn, which are typically grown as a as a commodity crop on farms, right. papayas are in our urban environment, they're in our suburban backyards, they're on farms, they're wild in ditches, so there's no, like, uh, barrier to the crossing and spreading. So with the New York Times, it's, it's been a couple of years ago, uh, Melanie, in a front page article, um, talking about that there are no walls high enough to prevent this contamination from genetically modified crops. You all have a unique, almost, almost a ground zero designation then there in Hawaii as very much the closed environment. Yeah, you know, the papayas really spread everywhere throughout the islands. They're not just on our island anymore. They're on the other islands, and that was not intentional commercial plantings either. Um, but 
The thing that we really have the most of are field tests of many different crops. Right. And those are done not just by universities, companies, and institutes from Hawaii, but primarily by institutions, corporations from outside of Hawaii. And we're called Ground Zero because we have the most field tests going at any given time of any state, any country in the world. And that can be quite shocking because Hawaii has this paradise image in most people's minds, and the biotech world has gone ahead and used us as ground zero to do all their dirty testing. And uh, because the of, of the of the climate, you know, why why you know, do, do so many developers test so many crops in Hawaii, Melanie? The the understanding is that our year-round climate is sure. a big part of it. Sure. They can pull perhaps four crops out of where they might only be able to do one. Um, the seed corn industry has really taken advantage of that. They're growing out their winter seeds uh, for the next summer's crop with corn. Um, we're also considered very isolated, so if something were to go wrong, there's a moat around us. Sure, minimized downsides, sure. Yeah, and in the 90s, the political climate in Hawaii was very pro-biotech. Hawaii had decided to go that route with the governor he had at the time, uh, which has changed. And they did list one of their reasons of using Hawaii as apathetic citizenry, which has also changed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we want to hear more from you. We don't want to miss a minute. Hold that thought. We'll return with Melanie Bondera joining us today. She's one of the founding members of uh, the Hawaii uh, Genetically Engineered Action Network, the statewide organization Hawaii Seed, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but it might just be good for your health. Melanie Bondero joining us today. She and her husband farm a certified organic farm on the Big Island in Hawaii. She is a founding member on the board of the Hawaii Genetically Engineered Action Network, as well as the statewide organization, uh, Hawaii Seed. And there is a website, hawaiiseed.org. Important discussion from from many respects. One, we have talked about genetically engineered food from a a testing, a, a human uh, an environmental respect, but because uh, Hawaii um, has is unique in many respects, as Melanie is is relating to us, we have the opportunity to uh, to, to learn about uh, a scenario which is, is, is you know, I mean, if 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 you listen to this, Melanie, it's kind it's kind of like, oh my goodness, how how you know how did this happen? You know, wasn't there somebody in the state of Hawaii actually overseeing the genetically engineered crop testing there? Yeah, that part scares me quite a bit. We've checked into the department in charge of that, and there's four staff members overseeing thousands of tests. So many of them never get out into the field to see these. And the EPA person in charge offices in California. So um, these tests are not only not carefully overseen, but they're also in um, places where no one knows their location. It's called CBI, Confidential Business Information, so they're not required to reveal the locations. And for instance, if they were testing a GMO coffee 
it could be near my coffee orchard and I wouldn't even know about it. So I would be receiving contamination from an experimental field trial without my knowledge. And, you know, for, for somebody who, who, who would try and grow organic coffee or organic papaya, uh, you know, it, it sounds like a no-brainer that this is not only a, a, you know, a concern in terms of just as a consumer, but in terms of, of, of your livelihood, that this has an impact as well, Melanie. Absolutely. And one of our best organic papaya farmers, he had three separate markets. He was selling uh, his papayas to a CSA on Oahu um, and a, a health food store on Oahu uh, in Honolulu, and he was also selling at a cafe here and to a small local market. Um, and a neighbor planted one of the GMO varieties without telling him, and his whole crop was contaminated. Wow. He also had a seed line that was 17 years old. He'd been carefully saving a particular variety. And, and he had to give up on that. He chopped down all his trees and gave up on papayas. And, and there's no, there's no retribution. He gets no compensation for that loss. Plus from a consumer standpoint, because as you say, you can look at the tree, you can look at the papaya. You, you don't know if it's genetically engineered or organic. Uh, I mean, obviously, people who buy what you and your husband produce on your certified organic farm uh, do so, um, you know, as a, as a consumer choice, Melanie. Right, and I think what we can get at this point is a label on there that says certified organic. Our certifiers, finally, after several several years of educating them, are requiring in Hawaii that organic farmers test their trees to make sure the tree is not a GMO papaya tree. But let me tell you, this test is costly, it takes time, and it's not easily available. So this is an added piece of work that organic farmers don't need. It's caused purely because uh, the biotech companies and the, the proponents of a GMO agriculture in our universities have chosen to release this into our environment basically without our permission. Well, speaking of added, we uh, have a distinct privilege of having an additional guest uh, join us. Uh, he is a physician a, uh, as well as a Master's of Public Health uh, Education from Tulane University, board certified in preventive medicine. Um, one of his uh, his hats is uh, the Maui District Health Officer. Uh, 